Welcome to Sneaker Dads. I'm John Ratner. Big thanks to everyone for the great feedback on last week's episode with my son. It was a lot of fun and he'll be back along with others from the younger generation. This week on the podcast we have Matt aka Hutch or Hutch2303 on Instagram. He's an extremely passionate collector with a lot of great stories so let's get into it. Hutch, welcome. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, appreciate you doing this. Always fun to uh, find a time for us dads and people busy with work and things like that. So we squeezed it in in the middle of the day. We won't tell anyone, or I guess we're telling the listeners, but uh, uh, appreciate you doing this. And um, I have to hit you with the obvious question. What's in the rotation these days? I, I think I have an idea, but I don't know the specifics. What are you wearing on feet? Yeah, you know me. I'm a Jordan guy down at uh, down to heart. So uh, recently, 07 playoffs, I had to bring those out. Um, obviously, no red red pull tab one. I'm a little disappointed, but have the OGs down downstairs for that. Uh, also, the 09 uh, University 12s I brought out recently. That's actually a funny story that I'll tell later on about taking my father-in-law, you know, through San Fran and uh, on the hunt for those, basically. Uh, another one I brought out was the 09. I was in the, the 12 mode recently. So the Cherry 12s came out, the 09 version of that. A uh, little bit ashy. I don't know what the heck the deal was with those, but uh, on the actual um, bottom end of them, like the rubber part started getting like an ashy thing. I don't know what the heck the deal was, kind of like the, you know, mysterious Jordan 1 mist. Yeah. Um, obviously, always, you know, the Black Cement 3s, which I'll get, get into that later on. That's kind of the heart of... Uh, my story and how I got into sneakers and everything else. So uh, 2018 uh, black cement threes are always in. That's pretty much my go-to shoe. Um, also with the uh, white foul line, uh, the 2018s that came out, that kind of, I always pretty much black cement, white cement, and a pair of the um, true blue threes always stay in the rotation for the most part all the time. And then some of the um, non Jordan, I'd say was the uh, brought out the Witherspoons recently, the Air Max uh, 197, which the Nike Air Max one is one of my favorite non Jordan models. Uh, probably have about 10 to 15 pairs of that model in different, you know, colorways and everything. And then obviously, uh, big Deion Sanders fan. Uh, a lot of my favorite athletes always true to their shoes and everything. So uh, the Diamond Turf 2 was brought out recently, and then also the Diamond Turf 1, which are both uh, classics in my opinion. Uh, both the OG colorways and everything. And then obviously the Kumbi Hutch 2303 without some Iversons in there. Uh, Reebok question Blue Toes because they just re-released. I actually brought out the uh, 2016 version. And then also uh, were the white and red uh, Pearl Toe, which I think they released. I uh, can't really remember. Back in like 2010, somewhere around there. So that's kind of what I've been rocking recently. And like I said, it's always... Black cements, white cement threes, and all that stuff is always pretty much the go-to. Those are my beaters, so to speak. It's it's funny because most people, you know, don't wear a shoe constantly, but it's like those are always the grab-and-go, so to speak. Yeah, that's sort of what I wanted to ask. And I think listeners who don't follow you on Instagram or getting introduced to you are getting really right away a good glimpse into sort of what your style, collecting style, and your passion is it for it. We see a lot of history, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, 
I guess, love for older pairs and things. We'll get into it, but I have to ask, you mentioned a couple older pairs. What's your sort of approach to keeping them alive? Do you wear them a lot? Like you said, you, you keep things in the rotation. Um, is it a storage trick? Is it just, you know, hope and praying that they, they, they don't fall apart? Yeah, honestly, it has a little bit of both. Uh, storage is very important. Uh, cool basement, dark, dry place is uh, definitely the go-to. Keeping them in rotation, too. I mean, it's as sad as it is, you let something sit for, you know, eight. Normally, about eight years is the, the cutoff point. If it sits for eight years or more and you're not wearing it, typically it's going to need swapped out or replaced to uh, be worn on foot and everything. So that actually we can talk about later on. Uh, a little bit about that too, but I actually do do some uh, restoring and that's kind of what I did with the, uh, some of my OG collection that I have. The uh, typical thing that I always do is I try to, if the shoe doesn't need any type of restoration, I try to keep it as OG as possible. So for example, if I have the 92 original, um, you know, playoffs and they don't need a sole swap or anything else, they're staying true to form. Uh, for example, 91 original infrareds, the sole completely crumbled at that point for to display it properly. You have to kind of renovate it and, um, you know, get a school swap for it and everything else. So it kind of is depending on the condition of the shoe. But at the end of the day, it goes back to trying to keep it as OG as possible. And you don't want to touch with, you know, these are art, actually. When you look at it at the end of the day, it's an artifact. It's not, you know. What the, what the player did in the shoe and everything else creates the history and everything else. And a lot of people don't look at it that way. I've always looked at it as art and uh, a type of art form. Yeah. Speaking of history, I want to take it back to where it all started for you. I know there's at least one great story associated, but let's, uh, let's go back to when you were quite young, right? Yes. Actually, the whole reason I got into sneakers, it's funny. Long story, you might have to cut me off on this. So, but uh, basically, what happened is, is um, came from a not a, I mean, not a bad, bad neighborhood, but a little bit of a rougher neighborhood in Pittsburgh called Wilkinsburg, PA. And my family, you know, my my mom and dad worked hard, uh, blue no blue nose collar, you know, hardworking people. I uh, didn't have the type of money that would let me, you know, get the hundred dollar Jordans or whatever it might be. So, um, my aunt and uncle actually were living in Chicago at the time. So we go all the way back to the beginning, uh, probably about August of 1988. Typically the way it broke down was my brother and I would take summer vacations and the summer vacations worked at Aunt Tina and uh, Uncle Art's place in Chicago. And at the time they were younger, didn't have kids or anything else. We were basically their kids for a week. Which my brother, it's funny. I mean, if he listens to this, he'll probably hate that I tell him, but he never wanted to come home because it was the greatest week of our life. It's, you know, they're taking us out, doing everything, spending money on us, taking us wherever we want and being able to do the things that, you know, kind of the dream life, so to speak. So his uh, first vacation, he went, I think, when he was about probably around eight or nine years old, uh, same age that I ended up going on my trip. But he went the first summer before, so about 87, he ended up going. So come 1990, uh, 1988, uh, it was my turn to, you know, take the trip to visit Aunt Tina and Uncle Art. So as you could tell, I was completely thrilled at this point because I knew that, uh, you know, this is going to be my golden opportunity to, you know, live the good life, so to speak. 
like I said, at that point, my, my parents were getting me, you know, I would get nice. I'd have the, whatever it was, 40 or $50, you know, restriction on what I could spend on a pair of shoes. And even at that was, you know, reasonable at the time, but for myself, I wanted Jordans. I always loved Jordan from a very, very, very young age, always looked up to him at analyze, you know, and what he did and everything else and got to the point where basically at this point I had it already planned out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my shoes from my, my parents or whatever, the $50 or whatever. And I think I might've got them. So if I went August, let's say I got them maybe, you know, two months, maybe a month before. So let's say, you know, June, maybe July or whatever. And I just remember all my goal was, is I am going to beat the living crap out of these shoes because I know when I get to Chicago and I go see Uncle Art, he's not going to ever let me go to the gym where he plays basketball with his buddies <laughs> in a beat up pair of shoes. So I already had this kind of planned out, you know, I'm in my mind, all right, I'm going to beat these things up so bad. So when I get there, you know, he's going to take me and I, I got a chance. I'm going to get these Jordans. So I had it all planned out, you know, and I, I remember I was never so hard on a pair of shoes in my life. And I beat the crap out of these shoes. I forget what they even were. Maybe like some um, some type of Nike, you know, base model Nikes that I got at uh, Famous Footwear or whatever at the time. And I remember just beating these shoes up completely and getting to the point where I go get on the plane or whatever and go see Uncle Art and Antina. And, you know, I get there and everything and I'm, I got it all planned out how I'm going to try to, you know, set the, basically set the, the, what's the, the story in place or, you know, plant the seed in his mind that he's going to, you know, get me shoes. So I remember the whole time thinking, you know, I'm going to tell him, you know, oh, Art, I really need these new Jordans and how I'm going to, you know, hint toward the Jordans, but not necessarily say the Jordans. And just a little backstory on it. So like I said before, he would basically, he would, they were younger, you know, probably at this time, I'd say their mid twenties, you know, maybe before thirties. And what he would do is they do pick up basketball with some of his friends and everything else. So they get a group of the guys or whatever, go to the gym, run some basketball or whatever, just to get a workout, you know, stay in shape and everything else, see the guys, you know, that type of thing. And it was funny. So at this point, I already knew that, you know, he was going to want to take me to the gym with him or whatever. So he sees, like, I remember him looking down at these shoes and being like, well, you know, we got to go play. We got to go to the gym later. You know, I'm going to play with my buddies. Do you want, you want to come with me? And at this point, like, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) And I'm thinking at this point, all right, how am I going to play it to get him to get me these pair of Jordan? And he looks right down at my shoes immediately and goes, well, Matt, you can't, you know, you can't play. Uh, he called, actually called me Maddie at the time. He goes, Maddie, you can't play in those. And I go, I know, Uncle Art. I, I, you know, I need something to, something good to play in. So I'll never forget it. Remember it like it was yesterday. So we go down, we get into his car, and he's driving down, drives, drives downtown Chicago. And at the time, it was actually, it was called Maury Mages, who is actually a famous Chicago baseball player. I think he played back in the fifties or maybe even before that, that they named this store after it was a six story or seven story building that was in the strip of Chicago, right down downtown of Chicago. I think it's been like, uh, and I actually posted on my Instagram thing. It's been like a sports authority, uh, a sports mart and a couple other things 
uh, throughout the years as it's changed. And I think now it's like a uh, apartments and other stuff that they made it. But I remember out front and I go out front, John, and there is in the concrete, the handprint, Michael Jordan handprint of his hand. And I mean, come on, dude, it, you know, nine years old, you put your hand in the God's same hand and everything else. We're talking, you know, jump from the foul line year and everything else. And at that point it was, I was, I was completely sold done deal. So we'd go up, you know, seven, I think it was the seventh floor or whatever. And we're looking around and I'm just remember thinking like I had it all, how I'm going to get the, and meanwhile, it was, I didn't have to think about how I was getting these. Uncle Ward already was set. I was getting the new Jordans at that point. I didn't have to sell them on anything or anything else. So we go upstairs and whatever. And he looks, and of course I beeline right toward the, you know, basketball section. And I'm over there and I look right. I go, Uncle Ward, that's, those are the ones I want. He goes, ah, you want the Jordans? You got good taste. And I'm thinking like, all right, this is normally where the point with my parents where I'm like, all right, I'll, uh, I'll mow yards, I'll paint, I'll do, you know, whatever, give me extra chores, whatever I have to do to make the difference and try to sell them so I could get the shoes. And it was literally, you know, at this point, Uncle Art just grabbed them off the shelf. You you want anything? Is that all you want? Or you, you want anything else? And went up to the, the front and bottom for me. And like I said, after that, we went to, um, it was called Ed DeBevitz was, was actually a um, hamburger place or whatever. And I remember, Greatest hamburger I ever had in my life that day. I mean, everything was, the world was the greatest thing ever created at that point. Cause I had my, you know, original black cement Air Jordan threes at that point. And then it's funny later that night, I remember we go to the gym or whatever to play the pickup game or whatever. And I remember I'm just over there and I laced these things, you know, and I'm sitting over in the chair at home before we go and I'm, you know, strategically placing them up and I'm eyeing them. I'm going over in the mirror and I'm looking in the mirror and everything else. And I remember he comes over and he's like, you can even play in those things. And I go, Uncle, I don't know. I, I might just sit here and look at him. So then we get to the gym and it's funny. I'm over in the corner and I'm not even joking, John, I'm over there and I'm, you know, practicing my Jordan moves and I have the threes on and, it could have been a nuclear bomb disaster went off. The world could have ended. And guess what? I wouldn't have cared anything otherwise because I was over there in my own world. And that at that point, he always says he bought, he bought me a pair of gym shoes. He doesn't realize that that at that point, that kind of changed my life. That was, that gave me my idol at, the, at that point. That gave me that the person that I looked up to for the next and still do at this point as you know, the best, if you want to do something, you want to be the best at it. And that's the way I looked at Jordan. It's like, listen, if I want to do something, I'm not wasting my time at it. I want to be the best at it. And that's kind of what he, he represented. So more than sneakers. Yep, absolutely. It's the, and it's the love and passion for the, you know, the sneaker. And like I said, behind the, the actual sneaker itself, the production of the sneaker, the design, the tinker design, you know, stuff like that, where it's, it's just fascinating to me. It really is. And it's funny because I always thought I was the only crazy one out there. That's like, man, I'm, I'm fascinated with shoes. Like I remember just, I'd say probably in like late 90, like I graduated in uh, high school in 1998. And I remember just like at that point after that, there wasn't a lot of, like, I remember honestly buying fake Jordans and knowingly buying them 
because there wasn't the option. It wasn't like the internet is now where you want a pair of shoes. You have, you know, plenty of options where you can go out and try to find something and, and source something. It's like, you really had to know someone or you had to, you know, have something set up to where you could go trade someone or meet someone or something like that. So it's quite obvious you're a Jordan guy. And um, I imagine there's more than a few pairs that have extra meaning. You mentioned a story about San Francisco, but can you tell us about some pairs that are really important to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Obviously, black cements we talked about there. Uh, A couple ones that I got. A lot of the 94s, I love two pairs of the black cement 94s I keep. Uh, 2001, two of those, pretty much all the, uh, any type of black cement, I have multiples of every one of those. So, and that's for the, you know, Uncle Art basically got me, I blame him for the shoe fetish that I have now. Um, obviously one of the great ones with kind of ties into, um, meaning behind the shoe, which one I'll never get rid of is the, uh, Air Jordan three white flip, which I think those came out 07, if I remember. And funny story with those is that's actually the shoe I got the same day that I proposed to my wife. So I always said my wife got a, you know, whatever, five, six grand ring or whatever. And I got, I think, $200 pair of shoes at the time. But I always say, guess what? I I won that deal on that trade. Uh, That's probably the best trade that I ever did. But (laughs) it's funny. We went to uh, a trip to L.A. and her one friend actually was working for. I want to say Birkenstock at the time. And she actually knew the one guy that worked at the Sporty LA. So it was funny when I go in, I tried to kind of work a deal. So I think I even got them a little cheaper than the uh, retail price on them at the time, which was kind of unheard of. But so that whole day was funny. We went to, uh, went out to it first and then I kind of proposed up by the Hollywood sign as close as I could get to it. And then we went down to the uh, Sporty LA, it was called, was the sports store and kind of looked around and it was like, I think this dropped probably a month before or something like that. And it was one of the ones that I didn't grab at the time. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to grab them now and kind of, you know, I try to, when I travel a lot of times is grab shoes when I'm traveling and stuff like that to kind of put that behind it where it gives them a type of a meaning and something that you won't just be like, Hey, I don't, I got this shoe for this reason or whatever. You can kind of look at it. Even when you put it on, yeah, kind of brings you back and takes you back to that memory. Uh, a couple of the other ones, funny story. And it goes back to meaning and importance. Like you were asking uh, before is the air Jordan 11 funniest story. Probably that I have Just one of the good ones is the uh, space jam. It was, I want to say two days before Christmas or whatever. And I was actually, wasn't full-time my job. I work for UPS now. I've uh, been with them for almost 20 years. So at the time, I was actually loading trucks overnight. Well, at this point, John, I didn't have my connection like I did two years later for the Concords. I was kind of just, you know, getting connections like that to where I didn't have to wait in lines and stuff. But it was funny. At this point, I remember my buddy calling me from the store and saying, dude, like, they're releasing. And I'm like, all right, well, can you get me a, you know, save me a pair? And he's like, dude, they're not letting us do it. And I'm, it was unheard of at that time, but it's like, dude, it's a holiday release. He's like, I can't, dude. He's like, so he's like, the best thing you can do, I'll tell you what time, just make sure you're up here. So this is, you know, what, a Friday or whatever. And I'm like, man, I got it. Like, I have to work. I'm not going to be able to, to get up there for the release or whatever release day was. So at this point, my pregnant wife with my oldest daughter, 
it ends up being the sacrificial lamb. So I'm texting my wife and saying, hey, you got to get up here, you know, get up there. You got to be there by 5 a.m. because there's going to be a line and everything else. And so, yeah, I put my I was the uh, sneakerhead to put their pregnant wife in the Space Jam line. Uh, she was number two and got me the pair. So it worked out. But so, yeah, that's one of those shoes. I don't think I'll ever be able to get rid of the, the 09 Space Jams, John, without uh, that memory going away. So that'll be a shoe that will always stay with me. Well, she knew what she was getting into when she accepted your proposal back in 07. Oh, well, went sneaker shopping after or before. <laughs> right. Well, before she already knew. And then a couple of the other ones I, I kind of talked about before, which we can talk about later with the uh, OGs that we talk about, is the uh, one of the things I tried to focus on in my collection, which I posted on Instagram, was I wanted one of each shoe uh, original that Jordan won the ring in. So I have the original infrared sixes, which I had to restore because the soles crumbled completely. And it's funny when we talked earlier about the significance and everything else. Yeah, the soles that are crumbled from there are in a Ziploc bag saved because I can't throw that like for like I said before to me this is art and this is an art form so I can never even if I do swap out the souls I still keep the original just for memorabilia and collecting purposes and stuff like that so I did do the 91s I had to swap uh the 1992 playoffs like I was talking about those were actually dead stock didn't have to do anything with them uh, I did post in my uh, Instagram thing I'm actually Almost done with the eights right now, the original OG playoff eights with the red tab. Just have them prepped and everything, got the soul swap ready to go. Just got to re-glue that one. Um, the other, after that, 95 original um, breads, completely dead stock, brand new, never did anything, didn't touch them, didn't need to. And then uh, did the same thing with the playoff uh, 12s, didn't have to touch them, no crap, to, which knock on wood, I wish I had some wood here. Um, no crack tab on the 12s, the white playoff one, so I didn't touch those either. And then uh, same thing with the flu games. Even though he did it technically wore the 13s all year, uh, the shot that won him the sixth ring was actually in the uh, 14s. So those are the ones that actually made the case. So like I said, I just wanted an original, and I try not to touch him unless I have to. So if the sole starts crumbling or something like that and I have to restore, then I do. But otherwise, the OGs stay intact. So that's one of the ones with the meaning and importance. That was one of my set out goals to get that. The originals and each one you want to ring in. And then I got the replica rings in the cases with uh, each shoe there. What was the San Francisco story? You didn't tell that one yet, did you? Oh, uh, the San Francisco story is funny. It actually ties in with the 09 uh, University Black and Blues. Uh, we were actually, we did a trip to, it was San Fran. It was the uh, Napa Valley or one of the wine areas, I forget out that way. And I actually went with my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my, my wife at the time, and then my future to be brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. And we did like the world tour of the wineries and all that stuff. And it's funny, we get to San Fran and they're driving around and my um, sister-in-law was getting married at the time and she wanted to look for wedding dresses. So we end up down by like, uh, Chinatown in San Francisco or whatever. So, well, they drop off uh, my wife, uh, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law, and they're looking for wedding dresses. It's my father-in-law and I in the car. And I'm like, let's go, dude. We're going to find these 12s. So he dri he's driving me around, dropping me off at random stores. And I'm 
you know, coming out with, you know, the down face. And finally he comes and drops me off at the one corner place. I forget what it was called. And I come out and I got the bag in hand and he comes around the corner. And so it's one of those things I always say, I'm like, anytime I wear it, he goes, yeah, that's, I remember what we had to do, go through for those and what we had to do. But they're another one that I'll always, you know, has significance because of that. It was one that I got with my father-in-law and, you know, kind of got him in the, the boat where I'm like, hey, guess what? They all know I have a problem with shoes. So, and they all accept me for me. So it was one of those shoes that I'll never forget how I got it. And, you know, has a little bit of importance to it. You, you know, the more you talk, it's quite obvious you're using terms like art and collecting. You know, most people don't mind being called a collector. Some don't. I'm wondering if you have any opinions on the sort of the art of collecting and the idea of, you know, it's it has to be, at least for me, it has to be for yourself. You have to love it. It can't be about instagram it can't be about if you're making youtube videos it can't be about people come to your house because when people come to my house they look at my shoes they're like yeah wow which one means the most to you and then they're ready yep. to go have a drink and not listen to me talk about sneakers most of the time so is that how it is for you is it a is it a personal thing but a, a, at the same time yeah it's, it's absolutely a personal thing john just like you said it's more of an art form and what you like i will never get anything just out of hype i which I, I actually have a funny story with that, which I can, one of my biggest regrets that I have, and it's fun, it's a funny story with that. And it falls to back into hype and falling for hype and that type of thing and staying, staying instead of staying true to yourself. And it's one of those regrets I have, which I can tell you in a little bit later on. But it's funny because you have to, you have to stay true to yourself. Like, yeah, it's great. You can post whatever on Instagram and everything else. But at the end of the day, like you said, you're, collection is a reflection of you you look at your collection every day you have to enjoy it and everything else and it's funny because i'd say probably about five to ten years ago i got to the point because i've been collecting a long time john i probably i want to say i took it really started taking it really serious about after high school so at that point and i think i have the instagram post where it's like oh five or whatever when my wife and i first moved in together and i had the shoe room and I had like, I think 50 pairs at that time, which people thought I was, you know, insane and didn't understand, like you like shoes and all that stuff. And the whole understanding and meaning behind it, knowing the concept wasn't there yet, like it is now to where it's, at, you know, people accept it, open arms and, you know, understand it completely. But I get to that point where I look back on that and it's like, if you weren't true to yourself from the beginning and get what you like, you're going to get to that point where I got to the point where it was like a lot of the stuff I bought was because of hype and because other people. And then I look at my collection. I'm like, dude, I don't even like a lot of this stuff. So that's where I got to the point where I started to go after stuff that I really wanted. And um, more, I'd say more rare pieces, more higher collectibles. Like I started going after some bins. I got a couple of the bins. Uh, I got trying to think of some other ones like the dawn the dawn twos like i love jordan twos i always have i'm probably one of the rare people out there that does love jordan two and it goes back to like we said it's not necessarily the model the model i like it's the history what jordan did in that shoe the dunk content like there's so much history in the shoe and the other thing with it is the originals being made in italy like 
people don't realize that was a luxury shoe. Like in 1987, they were using quality materials made in Italy to make a Jordan 2. Like that's unheard of. They took a step in a direction that no one has ever went before. So it's kind of that, you know, pioneer, so to speak, thing that they did. And then obviously when one three came out and Jordan and uh, Tinker designed the three, like I said, that's kind of the shoe that changed my life. So you have OGs in your collection and you like to complete sets and have, you know, sets that you, I guess, that you kind of create, you know, like the the, the pairs Jordan wear or to one that's sort of like, you know, yep. real, real hardcore collecting, but then you're not, you're not afraid to buy newer things, collabs, you know, things that aren't OG, you know, like a, a just Dawn is not OG. I think that's what you're yep. talking about. The quilted yep. pairs because they're, they're significant in the historical sense, but they're really just beautiful and, and meaningful in their own right. Is that, is that what you're getting at? Right. Yep. That's exactly what I'm getting at. It's the meaning, like you said, the meaningful and and being the the shoe, the design and the aspect of the shoe. Like there's a lot of things that I like with the designs that they do, like the collabs. Some of the collabs, honestly, I don't care for other ones I love. So it's like preference is on the person. And the way I look at it is the greatest thing about sneaker collecting is, is we talked about a couple minutes ago is, your your correct your collection directly reflects you so that should like i should be able to look at your collection john and be like okay i kind of have an idea of what kind of person you are and what type of person you like what brands you like what what models that type of thing just by looking at what you wear same thing with me you'll say oh this guy loves jordan like you know that type of thing it should be a reflection that kind of ties back to early on in the early years of sneakers and collecting is that's what it was it was you it was a form of expression in the 80s and 90s like some of the greatest models ever are the 80s and 90s like some of those old mics like the air tech challenge twos i mean you're talking some of the major things that the younger kids today you know hey inspiration for the yeezy twos i mean you're a lot of them don't understand that but it's like yeah those shoes were the that, that's what I call the golden era of the Nike Nike phase there, because that's a lot of the models where those shoes were just so ahead of their time. And then you get into something like the uh, Concord 11s. That's just, and I remember, and I, I was a Jordan fanatic, John, and I didn't like that shoe at first. Because yeah. why? It was too ahead of its time. Like, I wasn't ready for it. And then obviously I didn't get it. And when I couldn't get it, uh, the shoe I wanted the most in the world was the 11. Yeah. So it just goes back to design. I mean, inspiration, history, everything. You have to, there's so many factors in looking at a shoe than just leather and materials and what model it might be, you know? Yeah, and I feel the same way. I wasn't always into ones. 11s of patent leather turned me off at some phase in my life. And it goes back to what you're talking about of, you know, phases we go into and it's sort of like you know sneaker sneaker sneakerhead sneaker collector sneaker aficionado growth we all grow through and you, and you touched on it. there are phases where you know you buy things because of hype you buy things because you just want to buy things and you make mistakes and sometimes you buy something it's hype and you make money off it that's not really a mistake but sometimes you also buy things that you realize you don't want and you don't need and, and i had that phase too and, and you were talking about that but it, it sounds like 
you've found your your lane for a while now. Is it safe to say the collection is still growing? Like, sort of, where are you at? Like, where's the where's your mind state in terms of more less? Honestly, it's I'd say it's growing. I like to always say it's not, but it seems like even when I get rid of something, two or three more coming in. So it's kind of I'm I try to keep it down and eliminate just because of storage, like. The biggest problem I have is I got a like I would I listened to your last podcast and I'm similar to you. Early on, I started getting rid of a lot of the boxes just for space issues because I didn't have room to store and keep them all. So now it's like to the point where I have recently, I'd say over the past 15 years, I've been collecting, keeping all the boxes just for you know collector purposes and other stuff early on I kept, but it's just you don't have the storage and the space and everything. Like, I mean, I have the full basement covered, the uh, taking over the closet upstairs. I mean, it's flowing into my bedroom upstairs. You can only keep the the wife off your back for so long when the shoes are overtaking the room. So I try to rotate as much as I can, but it seems like the, the door's always coming in the uh, other direction instead of the outward direction, so to speak. So as much as you're willing to share, or as much as you want to share, you led me into my next question. What does the wife think obviously she knew she knows what she's getting into but you have a lot more now than you did then yeah she she knew from day one when we started dating uh she kind of knew that i was a shoe person when she came over my uh house the first time and kind of saw so she knew what she was getting into and like i said before you know the proposal and everything else she's known that sneakers have been part of my life for since i was nine years old when uncle art bought me the uh black cement threes but she's gotten a lot better. And the thing now is she's starting to realize the aspect of the investment side of it to where a hobby and something that I love has turned into something that's worth a lot of money now. And not that I would ever get to that point. I always say it's a collection when I, you know, I do it for the love and the passion of sneakers and everything else. Did I ever think that I would have a collection like I did? Absolutely not. Like I said, I was the kid that was beating his shoes up, hoping Uncle Art would buy him one pair. Did I ever in my wildest dreams think I would have closets full and be able to get whatever shoe I want, basically? No, absolutely not. But she has definitely welcomed it with open arms. And shes it's funny because I actually used to buy her when we were dating. I would buy her Jordans, too. Like, I think I got her the what is it, the 12, the university blue 12s that came out for women, like probably, I want to say 2004, maybe, or something like that. It was way back, like when we first started dating, before we got uh, engaged and moved in and married and everything. But yeah, she's fully acceptable of it. And like I said, at this point, she kind of knows what she got into. You know, you, you touched on something that we've talked about on various episodes, but the idea of being collector, having pairs and now more than ever things being valuable and you know i talked to my son about this he was on the podcast we talked about selling pairs i'm not afraid to sell pairs especially if i'm not wearing them also if the value of them is just beyond i don't have too much but you know if the beyond what i'm willing to wear them for you know you know something you put them on a pair of dead stock old dunks and they depreciate you know again talked about that uh, at length but it doesn't hurt when my wife sees a headline about, you know, a Louis Vuitton or an auction at, at Sotheby's and is like, look at these. And then I say, yeah, well, you know, 
it's a real thing and, and I think it's helping uh, not yep. only I don't want to only isolate the dads but the moms who also collect or people who aren't married or don't have kids even with their partners to say hey look this is like this is not just throwing money away this is actually a real thing it's considered an asset class to some people and it, it certainly you know maybe takes a little bit of the edge off when like you said more is coming in more is coming out. it also leaves that sort of at least for me that sort of ammo to be like look these ones are going out today and you want to see yep. what the check is you want to see what the paypal balance is right oh exactly 100 percent, man just seems like the door like i said is always she always sees it when they're coming in not when they're going out unfortunately oh she's fully understanding at this point she's she's uh definitely already locked in and knows what she got into Cool. So, you know, we talked um, about your wife, but we oh, actually didn't tell me, does she still wear, you know, sneakers that you like or is she in her own zone now? She actually does uh, a little bit here and there, but for the most part, like she'll wear, she wears kind of her own lane stuff for the most part. But uh, I did get her to, I did get her to wear the uh, Amory threes, which I bought her a pair. I got her pair when I got mine. So I was able to get her to wear those. So she does kind of come over a little bit here and there once in a while, but not, it's still tough to get her to, uh, I, I've, I haven't got her to the point where she's starting to like, you know, really wear sneakers on like that, but I can get her every once in a while. Like if I throw something on, Hey, why don't you match me or something like that? And she'll wear something, but yeah, she's kind of in her own lane. What about your daughters? You have two, um, 11 and nine. Are they, what, maybe first do they, what do they think of your sneakers? Uh, it's funny because my oldest daughter really doesn't care too much. She's kind of a, a converse she'll wear and stuff like that. And then the old, you know, what all the kids are wearing now, there's ones with the strap across them or whatever, just the plain Jane type of shoes. And she's not really into it, but it's funny. My youngest daughter, Alana, has actually started to get into it more. She, uh, funny, she came the other day, it was probably a couple weeks back, and she goes, Dad, do you have the... Uh, panda dunk uh panda air jordan ones and i just started laughing and i go where, where where are you talking about i said there is and she goes yeah they're black and white and i go you mean the and i explained her sb dunk low one and she goes well yeah aren't they and then i started so it was like a great moment where she that was the first time she actually showed interest into shoes i always get them i mean i got them on the new shoe swell like anytime I get a new pair of shoes out, the first thing they're doing is grabbing them. And there I get a new pair of shoes in, they're grabbing them and smelling the inside because they love that smell and everything. But as far as actually wearing, I'm kind of leaning more toward Alana uh, being able to start getting into shoes than my oldest Elise, who's, like I said, she's kind of converse and not really into them too much. A lot of people... Uh people in our circles don't love those panda dunks because they're mass produced or maybe the quality's not good but shout out to nike for making so many of them and making it whatever the next air force one or whatever you want to call it because it does get it does get to the young people though young people are wearing that you're seeing that everywhere and you know i don't care if they become sneakerheads one day but one of them will be and you know They'll remember, they'll be telling a story one day that their first pair of dunks was a pair of black and white pandas. And uh, it was funny. And, and I think that's cool. It's funny in, in our group chat, someone called the upcoming, I guess there's a rumor of the black and white 
Air Jordan 1s, maybe 85s. Someone called them pandas. And I said, what are you doing? You can't maybe, hey, maybe that's what she was talking about, John. I mean, it was, it was just so funny when she said it. This was a guy our age calling, calling, um, calling, you know, the a, a retro of an OG colorway pandas. I said, you can't do that. And he's like, yeah. John, you're too old. You're gatekeeping, whatever. <laughs> we were joking around, but it's, yep. uh, it's cool to see, you know, whatever that first exposure or whatever clicks. And, you know, she may never talk to you about sneakers again, or she may, she may be downstairs in your room saying, dad, show me all the <laughs> panda colors, yeah. but it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's it's cool and it, it's a good moment. I mean, uh, we always take the, that opportunity to share whatever, whenever you see see even a spark of interest in the kids. One thing we sort of skipped over that you wanted to talk about was restoration because it sounds like you're doing uh, some of it yourself or are you doing all your own restoration? Yeah, I do mostly all myself. Uh, the only thing I don't do is I'm not quite, my skill's not quite the level for the gluing part yet. So a lot of times I'll send out, to, you know, professionals to do the final gluing, but all the pretty much everything else. And I started practicing more on some of the, you know, models that I can start practicing gluing on and mess up and learn from and that type of thing. Just still kind of honing the skill, but everything else as far as, you know, pulling stools off, getting everything prepped, ready to go, even minor restores like, you know touching up stuff like that repaints all that i pretty much do all that stuff myself but then when it comes to the final process if i need it especially when it's on something like an og like those eights i'll probably send those out more than likely just because i'm not risking you know my my practice on something like that well it's cool to be learning about it and also saving the money because you know these days people like us I know, you know, I have older pairs, but I also hunt for older pairs. Now we have a look, we have a, a great restore Konotsky in, in Toronto. So, you know, I always had to ship stuff across the border. It was always hard to find someone even to do repaints and there's more people locally, um, but he does a great job and it kind of changed my whole outlook. Um, now I hunt for shoes that need to be restored. And um, do you ever do that? Do you ever look for pairs that are not wearable even? Yeah, absolutely. I actually have uh, one of the, some of the best deals you ever get. Like if you're smart, go on eBay. I mean, eBay, you can find some of the best steals ever. Like I recently, I want to say the one I'm actually working on now that I have ready to go, I just need to get uh, donors for is I got another pair of original 91 uh, infrareds that some guy dude didn't know what he had. I think I paid maybe 200 some bucks, John, like 220 or something shipped. And all they were was they were just, I mean, the uppers are phenomenal. I got them prepped and ready to go, iced the soles down so they're clear again, and I just got to get a donor for them. But it's like, I don't think the guy understood what he had. And it's like stuff like that where I'll just go through there and I look for those things where if it needs, you know, a sole swap or something, like the best, one of the best things I ever did was the um, phase where the 99s dropped down like probably, I want to say it was like four or five years ago, where they dropped down where you could get a pair of 99 black cement fours or white cement fours for like 220 bucks or 250 yeah. maybe tops. Sure. I bought three pairs of each. And I remember I already got two pairs restored and I still have two of the black cements that I have to finish up. But it's like, when you see something like that and something low, and like you said, it needs work. Those are, I look at it as an investment. 
I mean, that's an investment right there waiting to happen. Cause it's like, I already have my restored pair. I'll fix that pair up and, you know, either keep them or sell them or do something with them or find another collector that's looking for, you know, a 91 original that's in good shape work with them. So that's kind of what I look at. I think I do. There's a lot of great opportunity on those places like that where you can find people that unfortunately don't understand what they have and you can find some really, really good deals on there. Yeah. I want to ask you more about the sort of collecting that you do in terms of older pairs and whether you wear them and whether you buy your sizes, but I, it brings me up to a topic. I, I've sold a couple of my 99s over the years just because I wasn't wearing them like my white cement fours. Yeah, I do have two pairs of 94 black cements, one that I wear, both of them were swapped, and one that I don't wear. And it's swapped and it's dead, it's dead stock swapped sitting in the box. And maybe you could provide, provide me some advice because I'm not selling them. I know they're worth yeah. a lot now. But, and I think the move is to put it into, and it was only swapped a few years ago. So it's okay for a while. I think the yeah. move is to put them both in rotation, right? Because yeah. I don't want to have to swap them again. But the collector in me loves the fact that I have a dead stock pair of 94s, although yeah. not, not original. So part of me wants to wear the 94s that I have, the, the black cements, and kind of wait till I need them. But then, you know, if I wait a few more years, then I, I'm going to start to get worried. So what do I do? What do I, I mean, you're the guy to ask. Do I get them both in rotation? Maybe wear one lightly and one heavy? Do I wait a couple more years? Again, it's only maybe four years ago I got them. I bought them and swapped them kind of in that era you're talking about where they were just sitting there. No one cared. Everyone wanted the new ones, right? Yep. Honestly, what I would recommend is to wear them, just put them on yeah. in, in how, don't wear them outside or anything. But just walk in your room or whatever inside. Try it the on. main thing, <laughs> main thing, yeah, exactly. Try it on. Main thing is to get the pressure to the glue, yeah, so it good. still keeps the the durability of the glue and everything else. So that's that my fun. best. Because I'm the same way you are, dude. Like I want a dead stock pair, and yeah. I actually have the one that's still, and it's probably about the same. I'd say it's like I think I had it swapped in eighteen. So we're going close to the five year point right now. So I'm going to be pretty much in the same boat as you with the one pair. And then I have the other ones that I haven't got swapped yet. So I yeah. might end up waiting another year wearing those ones and then just sending the other ones to get swapped and keeping them. Yeah. Couch to the kitchen, no stairs, no creasing. <laughs> nothing like yep, that. exactly. That's I'm right. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not that crazy, but I probably am. Um, so, so I wanted to ask you because you were talking about, um, you know, hunting for older pairs and things like that do you have pairs you just won't wear because they hold too much meaning and do you buy pairs uh outside of your size i actually do i actually started to buy more pairs outside of my size just for like reselling and other stuff like i don't do big reselling but if i if i'm trying for a release and i can't get my size i'll at least try for another size because the way i look at it is it's like i can trade I can sell and then get what I want out of it or whatever it might be. Most of the time though, it's. What about for like OGs and stuff though? Like, you know. Oh, for OGs, most of the time OGs are all my size. Okay. Because the way I look at it, uh, the only exception, I did get a pair of the um, playoff 92s, which I couldn't pass on. I got it off eBay and it was a steal, but I got those and they were a size nine. And because they were, I have the, um, Taiwan ones in the case 
for the with the ring. These are the Korea pair. So I wanted a, one of both of each pair because the, the difference in the design and everything from the uh, manufacturer. So those ones are actually size nine, but all the other OGs that I have are all current, either 10 or 10 and a half, which is my size. Okay, so now the, the bigger question, at least for me, that I'm more curious about is, aside from the fact that we just, the scenario we talked about where you have a, a double, you know, and you're just keeping it on ice, or if something's unwearable, do you have pairs that you just don't wear because you love them maybe too much? Yeah, it's hard, honestly. And we talked about the hype thing, but it's funny. Like, I do have the Yeezy uh, Solar 2s, which it's so, like, I've worn them one time and it's so hard to just put them on just because of the value. Like, I don't know. It's it's so tough when a, a shoe gets the, uh, that valuable. It I don't know. It kind of takes the fun away from it for me. Because the fun thing about a shoe is to wear it and people will be like, oh, my goodness, he has. Once it gets to that point, then you're, I don't know. It, it becomes a fine line where it's, you know, you have to worry almost wearing something opposed to just wanting people to see it and get the reaction because that's what it was back in the day. It was all the reaction. You would break out a shoe that someone didn't have for, and it's funny because a lot of the stuff that I did collecting through the years, I remember I used to get stuff and I would just wait. I wouldn't wear something for two, three years after, because I didn't want it, you know, when everyone had the whatever Concords wearing them. And everyone has Concord. Like, I don't want to be wearing the same thing as everyone else. I'd wait two or three years and then throw it on when no one has Concords on. Or another shoe, you know, for example, like uh, Bread 4s. I'd wait on Bread 4. Like, they released them, I think it was, what, 19 or whatever? It's like, yeah, I'll wait till this year and start, oh, I'm going to break out a pair of this. It's like, I always like to wait a little bit just so the, because that's what it's about. For me, it was always the the wow factor of, being out somewhere and being like, oh my God, seeing you, John, and be like, dude, he has, you know, Pada Air Max ones on, dude. Do you see that? Or he has, you know, shattered backboard ones. Like, dude, do you see like stuff like that where it's, you know, dude, that that released in 15. Like, dude, they, they look brand new. Like, that's the stuff where it it's the fun and the camaraderie of sneakerheads to where you could just be out and some dude yelling at you or like I've had, I've been so many places and that's the one thing I do love. And my, it kind of drives my wife nuts is she gets more worried because, and she's even said they're looking at you. They're all looking at your shoot. Like she gets more worried about that. And I'm like, well, that's what it's about. Like it's, but when we talked about the ones you get worried about, like it is honestly, like when shoes get that valuable, it is, you start to second guess wearing them and you know what I mean? Because the fun factor kind of goes to that point. And then you kind of look at it as I got to kind of keep my eyes open at this point. Like even when I wore, it's funny, I wore the off-white Jordan ones to my uh, 20th high school reunion. And that was one like, and even at that time they were only, I mean, they were like 1500 or two grand worth of that. And even at that point, like I was looking around and being aware of everything else around me and everything. It's like, that's where you, when you get to that point, I think that kind of takes the fun away from the the whole factor of what the shoe game was and what it means to be and everything else. Yeah. And I've talked about this many times is you don't want to think of his investment 
if you love the shoe and you love rocking it, but you can't eliminate it because you know what you paid for it. You know who, what it's worth. It's it's everywhere. It's just the reality of the game now. It's just you know the 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 money, the financial side of it is 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 everywhere. But um, you know um, it, it it is what it is. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty as a sneakerhead when you're trading and other stuff like that. And it's funny. One of my biggest regrets to this day is. I was in one of the uh, contests, NetMag. Yeah, one of his contests, and it was great. I, I want to say it was like whatever year the uh, Blue Tints came out. And we were talking about, you know, don't fall for hype, stay true to yourself and that stuff. And it's one of those times in life where I needed to take my own advice because I fell for hype. And to make a long story short, basically, I got – it was for the Platts, the um, Nike Air Plat 2, which I wanted so bad. I have now, but not – obviously through that but i got second place and second place was the blue tents so at this time it was yeezy mania you know all that type of thing so i was like dead set you know i'm gonna get these okay i want a pair of free shoes looked at it that way but it's funny because i actually already had a pair of blue tents at the time so it, it was kind of one of those things so i even emailed and he's your buddy or whatever and he said back you know i'll get you you know, you can pick something else or whatever it is. And it's so funny. Like I literally, John, I have every, I have the complete set of the 94, 95 original retro collection, except the Chicago's. And what do you think he offered me at that point was the Chicago's and he'd give me, and the value at the time I want to say was maybe like, they might've been like 600. So it was like, he said, wow. throw in like an extra 200 bucks or something. You know what I mean? Wow. Something like that. So wait, a it was, wait a second. We're talking about the runner-up was the Yeezys. Yes. The 350 blue tints. 350 blue tints, which I guess were, were popular. At that, point, at that point, they just came out like it was like the Yeezy oh, like okay. phase and everything else. So, so at that Yeezys, point, and, the dude, we're talking, here and the Jordans were down here. Right. We're talking the like 1994s were like, dude, they weren't sought yeah. after. Oh, like wow. now. And it, it's so like, it's one of those things. Cause it's one of those part of the collection where I don't know what I was thinking. Dude. It was that hype and everything else. And I'm like, and the reason, one of the reasons being 10 and a half I had, and I didn't reason, realize in the three fifties, they run small. So I actually need an 11, needed an 11. So my whole thing was, all right, I'll see if, so he's like, I don't have a 10 and a half. I can give you an 11 or whatever. So I'm like, all right, you know, I want these things so bad. So I literally passed on, he was going to give me the 94s and they were like, you know, very near dead stock, completely everything, card, box. I mean, the whole shebang. And it's one of those things, like I look back, John, and I'm like, oh, what the hell was I thinking at that, at that point, you know? And you still don't have the Chicago ones. Nope. And obviously I have the whole set still and not the Chicago ones. And the funny thing is, is I actually have the, I'm not even a fan really of the 350. That's probably my least favorite Yeezy. And the only ones I have still is of course those, because I can't get rid of them. Like I look at them and just think like, man, they should be Chicago's completing the set. What did I do? But yeah. you know, it's always, it's always 2020 when you look back. NetMag always hooks it up and he he's really cool about those, you know, if something doesn't fit or whatever, or if something doesn't even suit you, like you said. But I remember getting uh, 85s from him and this was many years ago, probably maybe a similar time. But I remember on his website, he had 
you know, 85 metallic, uh, I guess it's purple that uh, he had those and he had a pair of, uh, I got them with a pair of 80 uh, Chicago 94s. So I got the 94s and they were, they were dead stock and they were going for, um, I don't know, I want to say like seven or eight, but it was still like a different type of time. uh, And that was Canadian money. So anyway, just, just remember those days too. And, and, finding those deals and uh, not always taking advantage like you. It, it, there's a lot of regrets, but you can't, can't live that way. Go ahead. You were going to, you were going to tell another but it, story. It was just funny, but then you like, I figured that trade. And then there's one of the wins that I had is I actually had a guy that uh, I met in one of the lines that I was camping out with. And I started talking to him, telling him about my collection and everything. And he goes, uh, yeah, a couple months back, I won the um, Chicago's the 2015s and a, and one of the raffles. And, and I had my eyes set on this at that point. And I'm like, so I'm talking to him and, you know, working the whole, the whole time we're waiting in line. And finally we get up there and I'm like, dude, you know, you want to trade what's going on. And he kept like saying, let me come back to your house and see, you know, the clock. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to get my house. Like, I don't even really know you all like that. So I ended up meeting them down at the McDonald's, like on the bottom of my street, like down, down the road, basically from my house. And I'm like, show, you know, I basically gave him a list of them. I'm like, dude, I'll give you a list of what I got. And you tell me what you want. We'll work a deal. And it's funny. I ended up trading him for the Chicago ones, the headstock condition. I traded him a pair of Laney fives that were, what was it? It was the second release, not the 2000, because I, I traded him those and the fire red force for the Chicago's. And it was probably like, you look at them now, it's like, the, you know, Chicago's are two grand basically. And, those two shoes are around three, you know, probably 250, 300 tops. So uh, that, it's that one reminds, of those times where you win. You do remind me of trades. Like, I don't do trades anymore. I don't know if you do, but it used to be on Facebook I, a lot. Facebook groups, it would be and with my homies, too. Like, people I got to yeah. know, they were my size. And we would go, and it would sometimes not not amount to anything and there was probably hard feelings i mean we stayed we stayed friends but like you you go right. to a deal and then someone's like at the last minute like we've all been there uh or anyone yeah. who's been doing this long enough and it just remind i'm gonna get some of those there's two guys in particular uh i need to get them on because i used to do they're my size we used to do tons of deals huge deals and yeah. uh, sometimes it didn't work out and hopefully they have a better memory than me <laughs> but i interrupted you no, it's funny though, because you are right. Like I, there's different times. Like I didn't trade much. I just remember like some of the distinctive ones that I did. And, uh, one of the other ones was the, with actually one of my favorite people out there is soul supremacy, which is a great, you know, um, they have a store and, um, they're out of California or whatever. And they are one of the best, like I've been dealing with them for probably 15 years, like buying, selling, trading that stuff. And I remember it was when the shatter backwards first came out and, I missed the release. I was away on vacation, didn't have a chance of getting them. And I was like, you know what? I need this shoe. So I'm like trying to uh, work a trade or whatever. And they were nice as can be. And at the time, I ended up trading them Cardinal 7s, the 2011. I mean, they were both dead stock. And the Independence Day 5s <laughs> for the shattered backboard. So I look back on that trade and it's like, man, dude. I mean, you would have never known. You know, here it is oh. probably – yeah, that was 2015 they came out. So, you know, 20 years later, or seven years later, but you never would have known, you know, it's like that. That's why high sight's always 2020. But like we talked about earlier, you don't do it for the, you know, value like that. You do it for the love of the sneakers and the, 
the the reason that we do it deep down in the passion. Yeah. But it is fun telling those stories. I mean, like I had three pairs of shattered backwards. I did. I have none now, but uh, you yeah, know, unreal. sitting in the closet, yep. I'd have a few grand, yeah, but uh, yep. you know, I have something else and I don't remember the deal that where they went or what I did with the money maybe, but uh, you know, it's all good. I, one thing I feel like we should pay a little bit more attention to before you go, because we were talking about stories in the last 10, 15 years, but I feel like, you know, I didn't ask you about, we, we talked about you getting your first pairs and, and how it yep. felt. You obviously didn't have the income you have now to buy sneakers, but what, what sort of transpired between those events? Were you hunting for shoes? Were you lining up? Were you were you hustling? Like, what? How, how did you do it? Basically, what did you do? Yeah, basically, what ended up happening, John, is I'd say about, I'd say early junior high, and even through like like grade school and other stuff. I ended up getting some, a couple pairs here and there. I wasn't getting like, you know, a bunch of pairs or anything, but I had the playoff 92s originally, the uh, Aqua 8s, which I ended up buying at a, it was a little shoe store called Littles uh, over in Squirrel Hill, which is like a suburb of uh, Pittsburgh here. And I got those when I was, I forget what grade, I think I was going into ninth grade or whatever and got those. I ended up getting a funny story too, is one of my best friends, his sister for Christmas got him the 96 uh, breads and the patent leathers. And it was so funny because my buddy, like, he's probably going to hate that I say this, but he trashes shoes. So it was like one of those moments where I'm like, dude, I got to I gotta get these off his hand or these aren't making it too long. So it's a funny story. <laughs> I ended up getting them or buying them off him at some point down the line. And he, he ended up giving them to me just because he knew they'd last longer. Yeah, and you loved them, obviously, by this point, and you were looking for them. But they were around you. There was big t- part of the culture already, right? You were. Oh, you were, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I remember just being as a, like growing up as a kid and everything. And it's funny. We talked about it earlier where I was like, you didn't have the option of getting Jordans. Like, I remember it's funny. We complain about the quality of Jordans now. And mm-hmm. honest to God, John, like I remember sitting and praying at a certain age, like, man, the greatest thing ever would be if they re-released you know, all the Jordans ever or whatever, or they brought them back or whatever and started bringing them back and the different models that, you know, you missed when you were a younger kid and stuff like that. So it is, it's, it's really, it's amazing. It honestly is. And you were out at the mall with like, were you with your friends? Were you by yourself? It was probably 10th grade going into high school is where I really started getting real passionate about it. And at that point, that's where I would, I think it was ninth grade or 10th grade. I would, the way my house was this, we lived on a cul-de-sac. So we were, as soon as you came up the hill, there was a little path that kind of went up toward the next uh, road up above. And my mom would always leave first in the morning. So I always knew like the pattern and everything. And at that point, people don't realize a lot of people, uh, Jordan's came out on a Wednesday. So it was a middle of the week release. It wasn't, you know, Saturday like it is now. And, so I remember I used to, you know, go into school late or skip school in the morning, so to speak. I hope you're not listening, Mom. And I'd sit up by the side of the house. And as soon as my dad went down the house there, and obviously it was so no, it had to be about 10th grade because I was old enough to drive. And I would go, you know, wait for them to leave, come down, hop in the car, and I'd go to 
uh, Moreauville Mall, which is a mall that, you know, actually they shot the famous movie in uh, Dawn of the Dead. And that's where I actually bought most of those shoes back in that day. And it was funny, but I would, you know, go in, get the shoe and I'd come back home, get ready and go back into school. And, you know, by, by lunchtime, I'd be with the new Jordans on and everyone would be looking and where'd you, what are those? Where'd you get those? And so it was kind of at that point where it literally took a real passion and it was a major part of my life, so to speak at that point. Wow. That's awesome. It's an amazing story. Amazing stories. You shared so much. I feel like we only scratched the surface and I think, I think we could probably do this for another hour two or three. And, um, I bet you and I will, but I, I, I'm going to definitely try to save some for a podcast if we could do this again sometime, hopefully soon. Um, I know the r- listeners really love hearing, you know, stories like this, but, you know, o- the obvious passion behind it, because I know a lot of them are like that, like you. I mean, I'm, I, I don't have as many and I don't remember that many, but I do appreciate it because we share, obviously, you know, a lot of the things you talked about, the, the era, Jordan himself you know, the culture and the whole collecting aspect of, of it and the love of it. I mean, we, I didn't realize uh, we had this much in common and it's always nice when uh, I discover that to thank you for your time. And, and I, I know you'll do it again. I hope. Yeah, absolutely. John, I would love to, like you said, we pr- barely scratched the surface. I could sit here and talk about sneakers all day. And like I said, it's kind of, you know, funny. It's like we, we've, been, we've known each other for years when we're sitting here talking and then, you know, we just kind of met. And so I, I'm sure we're going to have great conversations in the future. And I'd love to, you know, do another podcast with you and just kind of shoot the breeze there. Big thanks to Hutch for coming on the podcast. You can find him at Hutch2303 on Instagram. That's where you can find me at Headbait Ready. Sneaker Dads is on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as at sneakerdads.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Later. Later.